Life's soundtrack can feel a bit like... But you can still change the station. With Delta Airlines, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And welcome to not only a new year, but a new decade. And we are super excited here at Transworld for what's in store for the next year, literally the next decade. And we have been talking, you know, we do this every year. We do strategic planning. We talk about what we're, uh, our goals for the next year. But, you know, when you start a new decade, it's kind of time to look to see what their long-term future will bring. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're roaring into the 20s now. Um, the technology has changed significantly in every industry over the last decade, and it's only going to accelerate into the future. So today we have an extra special episode. We're talking about, you know, our 20 predictions for the next decade. And we're going to kind of go prediction by prediction, have a little bit of discussion. Some of these predictions Andy's already made and not filled me in on. So we could have a little bit of debate going on, but it should be a fun show for you all. Like Yogi Berra used to say, I don't make predictions, especially about the future. So, you know, listen, are we going to be right on all these 20 predictions? No, but I think we have some solid information that is kind of driving these thoughts. And we've seen some uh, speakers over time, and I, I've gotten a few of these, but I think all of these will not only affect uh, business brokerage and the way you sell businesses and the way you buy franchises into the future, but it's really going to affect small business. And I think there's a huge, upside potential for entrepreneurship, uh, but I'm already giving one away. So <laughs> let's, let's just roll right into it. So yeah, well, let's start. So the number one prediction is business brokerage will not be dead. And I, I think this is an important one. We've talked a lot about this um, related to the baby boomers, but there's a lot of businesses that are going to be trading hands over the next decade. And I think if anything, it's just going to increase the amount of business brokerage transactions that will be done. Yeah. And again, Jessica and I have not spoken about these uh, 20s. So I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you, what she has to say and what you have to say to the audience. And I think, yeah, I agree with you on this one. You know, there's still the baby boomers have not come to the marketplace. I just wrote an article talking about boomers saying, hey, boomers, uh, okay, boomer, which is the big catchphrase now, right? Okay, boomer, if you didn't sell uh, yet, you're probably going to sell into this decade. You have, you're going to, you know, the, the youngest boomers are 55 years old and they're going to be 65 by the end of the decade. The oldest boomers are 70 years old right now, and they're going to be 80 years old by the end of the decade. Most of them will be able to sell. So we're talking about a huge transfer of equity over the next 10 years and business brokers are going to be the forefront. And, you know, maybe we leave the decade where there's a different process in place, but there's still the same process for buying and selling a business that's been around. The realtors have not gone away yet either. So um, investment advisors and, and investment bankers haven't gone anywhere. 
businesses and brokers are going to be around for the next 10 years. Yeah. Selling a business is still a complicated transaction. And I think some of the, the other predictions will be around technology and how to make these transactions more efficient, but you're still going to need the help of a team and advisors to get these deals done. And I, I think something else that, you know, contributes to it is it's still going to be the majority of people buying businesses are still first time buyers. So they're still looking for that advice, but I totally agree with number one, business brokerage will not be dead in the twenties. I agree. So number two, I'll bring in number two, there will be a national marketplace for selling businesses. I mean, it, there sort of is one now. Of course, our partners at Biz Buy Sell, uh, there are some local uh, business brokerage organizations that have somewhat of a MLS system, a multiple listing system. But, you know, we came into the decade with websites being kind of the forefront and you know, we started uh, 20 years ago with basically no websites. I mean, the very few and they weren't prominent. And now we're starting a new decade. I think by the end of this decade, there's going to be a national coordinated marketplace for buying a business. There's a national coordinated marketplace for getting a ride, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree with this. And I, I think the one thing I agree with it is the national marketplace. I, I think what we've seen over the last decade as millennials have entered the marketplace of buying and selling businesses or just having more disposable income, they're more transient. Um, I was talking to my mom and she's lived in, I think, six different houses her entire life. And I've lived in 18 in the last eight years. Um, yeah. So there, the key is the national piece. And right now business brokerage is very siloed. Each state kind of does their own thing. You do have websites like biz by sell that try and combine them all together, but there will be a coordinated effort where you're going to be able to trade businesses across state lines because sometimes buyers are in one state a businesses in another, you have people relocating. Um, but right now it's not, it's not the easiest to do it that way. And, and I think it's, it's not going to be a huge technological jump in order to create a national marketplace. No, but I do believe that this prediction is going to take the better part of the decade to happen. There are, th there are some serious hurdles in the way. There are things like state uh, regulatory laws, uh, national SEC regulations that need to be changed. Uh, there's a lot of things that need to happen for this to work, um, you know, and it, and it gets into states' rights and it gets into business licensing and it gets into... And by the way, I, I think you can put an inter in front of the national. I think this will be an international thing as well. Um, but, you know, again, this, again, won't happen tomorrow. Uh, I think it's going to take several years, but I think there will absolutely be a national marketplace. And I think we're going to have a big play in that. I think Transworld and several other and brokers in general will have a big role in that. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things about the national marketplace is you'll still have local representation in each market. When you're buying and selling small businesses, that face-to-face -face interaction is really important within business brokerage. So I don't think this is going to be something where you can buy or sell a business on a website um, like you can get an Uber ride, right? There's still going to be involvement in brokers like we talked about in prediction number one. And that local presence is still going to be very important, which Transworld and other networks like us that have local presence in all 50 states and multiple countries, um, that's going to be play a major role in this national marketplace. 
Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right. You want to bring us number three? Yeah. So number three is one. I know we're both passionate about this one, um, but number three is co-brokerage will not be a debate. And just to give everybody a little bit of background about co-brokerage. So what co-brokerage is, is when you have a broker on each side of the transaction. So you have a sell side broker, you have a buy side broker. It's very common when you're buying a house, right? If you're a buyer, you'll have a buyer's broker represent you and the two brokers will share the deal. Um, and each side is represented equally. Um, in business brokerage, that doesn't happen. Um, and Andy, I don't know if you want to give everybody background a little bit, you know, why or what the, you know, what the process has been so far to get to where we are today. Yeah. I mean, historically, business brokers have not shared deals. They've siloed the deals. They've kept them to themselves. And they always uh, feel that they're going to be able to find the buyer and 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 purely out of greed. I mean, they want the whole commission. They do not want to split the commission. And we've had people argue the merits of that, oh, the other broker might not be qualified or, well, that really doesn't matter. If there's one qualified broker in the deal and they're running the deal, it doesn't matter if the other broker's unqualified. What's important to the seller is that they're bringing the right buyer. And, and, and it's been an incredibly frustrating thing because in Florida, in the 80s, some really smart guys, I wasn't around at the time, some really smart guys got together and said, this is silly. Let's just split every deal 50-50 and let's make everybody co-broke and let's have a dynamic marketplace. Well, the results are staggering. In Florida, we're trading a billion dollars worth of deals a year and everywhere else in the United States, they're not. Now, Transworld has been growing like a weed in the United States and we are co-brokering and we're just proving the model. It's insane. All right. It's crazy. And it's something we've been fighting in Colorado, trying to establish the same thing that Florida has set the precedent for. But I always tell people, if you're going to sell your business, no matter what broker um, you're interviewing, this is the number one question you should ask. You should ask if they're willing to co-broke because ultimately you want a broker that's representing you to find the buyers wherever the buyers may be. And if that buyer is being represented by another broker, great. You know, but again, back to your point, Andy, I think, um, you know, this is becoming more of a topic. Um, there's more, um, mainly driven by Transworld offices, more states that are trying to put together co-brokerage programs and more business owners that are becoming aware of the topic. So I'm hoping that this one isn't one that will take the full decade. I think we're a few years away, um, but definitely, I, I definitely agree with this one that it's not going to be a debate anymore. It's going to be standard practice across the industry. Yeah. And it, and it goes hand in glove with the national marketplace. And it's going to happen. And you know why? Because Transworld is going to make it happen where, you know, I think they've pegged us at about 15% of the marketplace and growing. So when, once we get up to about 33% of the marketplace and we're, you know, showing everybody that the model works much better, everybody's going to fall in line. So I have no doubt that's going to happen uh, within the decade. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. At the end of 2020, no. I mean, old brokers... Uh, Old brokers are going to die, <laughs> but <laughs> old brokers' habits are hard to break and die hard. Uh, so as we see a new crop of brokers who are much more used to using technology, you're going to see that uh, change. So that's another good one. So number four, which I think is a very bold prediction, is that seller financing will be insignificant. 
Hmm. Yeah, I want to know what you mean by this one. <laughs> so exactly, I was waiting for you to ask. So I think that seller financing is very significant right now. I think that if you don't use seller financing to close your deal, you're probably not going to close your deal. Now, what have we seen over the last decade? We've seen financing options open up, SBA financing, things like that. Now, what I think is going to happen and what I think we see happening in some of the other lending marketplaces is that people are very aggressively chasing ways to make money. And I think it's only a matter of time before somebody realizes that you can make seven, eight, nine percent back on your money on business sale debt. And I think once that happens and someone makes an app and someone uh, makes the rules of financing and selling financing, again, going back to uh, crowdfunding and things like that, people will start competing for those dollars to make that money. And I think, I think that people will be able to borrow money, not only from the seller, but maybe from their family or maybe even a marketplace that puts a value on them in the business and are able to get that financing elsewhere. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. Uh, something else we've been watching, I know this has been going on for a while, is a secondary marketplace for seller financing. So right now there exists, there's a, a handful of people that will buy seller notes from the seller after the deal's closed. Um, and it, it's just like a secondary market, like a mortgage would be sold off. Um, so I, I see that growing too, and that could be the precipitous for a marketplace like you're talking about where you could raise funds. It also makes sense because if you look at the banks, traditionally they've chased um, what you would call safer loans, right? It, property, um, commercial property, residential property. But in the last 10 years, they've gotten very aggressive on business acquisition loans because they can make a little bit more on their money. There's more deals available. The deals are sometimes bigger. Um, you also have, you know, security in the types of people that you're working with on the sell and buy side. So I can see it being very attractive to additional people. But I also think that it might start with this secondary, like note broker side of the business growing first, um, where you could trade off or sell off off some of these seller financing notes after the deal's closed. Yeah, I agree. Again, there's not a marketplace for that right now. And once there's a competitive marketplace for selling off the secondary debt or organizing the secondary debt, uh, we haven't seen that yet. But of course, we've seen it in mortgages. We saw it got abused in mortgages, but uh, home mortgages. Uh, but we, I think this could happen. And I think it'll happen by the end of the decade. I really do. I think uh, it'll be that money will be a commodity and, and this kind of debt will be seen as a safer bet than some other things out there in the world. And I, I think people will start investing in it. Yeah. I mean, you might see the millennials again are very gun shy about the stock market. So they're looking for alternative investment strategy. And this could be one. It does return a really good um market return. And it also, it provides more safety than you would in the stock market. So, you know, you never know. So yeah, let's move on to prediction number five, websites will be extinct. And I know we've talked a lot about this and, you know, it's not like we're saying the internet's going to go extinct, um, but it's no, but it's more, you know, right now we're even seeing the smart devices really take over. So going to a website, yeah, that's all in great, but you already can ask your phone, your TV, your car, your 
Amazon Echo um, to do searches for you. Sometimes they're already listening to do the searches for you. Who knows? Um, but I know that's kind of what you're talking about here, Andy, in that there's going to be different ways to search and buy things than just going to a traditional website. Yeah. I mean, just imagine uh, that uh, when I do this presentation, by the way, I have a picture up of somebody on a computer on their keyboard, which I think will be extinct. I mean, there, there's there's insane that we're still sitting in front of a keyboard typing in the words. I was just driving here uh, from an appointment in Miami on the road, and now finally my phone is listening to me when I say, okay, Google, call so-and-so, and it works. And it's been working much better lately. You know, I think, uh, in fact, my phone just at, wants to know what I want to do. So it's listening to me now because I said those words. And and so I think the, the idea that you have to go to a website and scan things and kind of figure out things is will be looked at as insane. It's just not going to be a thing you're going to have to do. You'll talk to the wall. Maybe there will be a screen on the wall, but it will give you options. And I think buying anything and buying a business will be somewhat of a, just talking to a computer and asking. Yeah. And I think this, in terms of our industry, it would be a great thing. I mean, we know how frustrating it is for buyers to scroll through Biz by Sell and our website and all the other different websites. And, and you already see the infrastructure of this present. Um, you know, I joke that, you know, Amazon or Apple is listening to you, but you really, with the Amazon skill sets already, the com companies can build um, a skill with the Amazon Echo device where you can ask them a question and it returns the answer without you having to go to their website. So the infrastructure is already there. I mean, I think, again, 10 years ago, if somebody would tell me that I could talk to this little watch on my wrist like Dick Tracy did, people would think we were crazy. But um, if you if you look at how fast technology is accelerating, um, this is definitely one that I see present. And again, websites will still be there, but it's how we use them and interact with them is going to be very different. I agree. All right, time for number six. So my number six prediction is that strategic buyers will dominate the marketplace, and that's for a few reasons. Uh, number one, just plain old demographics. Uh, the the population of baby boomers selling to the Gen Xers is still bigger than Gen Xers. Uh, and we're not quite sure that the Gen Xers are ready to buy in mass or maybe have no interest in buying in mass. Uh, so I think that'll happen. But again, once the marketplace becomes more efficient in buying and selling businesses and businesses see the opportunity that they're all missing, We've, uh, we've talked about this on our show. We've had multiple examples of people doing great business by growing their business through acquisition. And I think this is only going to become more commonplace. Yeah. And this is something is a different way. Of what I've talked a lot about is that I think you're going to see a lot of consolidation in small business and in different industries because strategic buyers, and we're talking about strategic buyers, we're talking about other small business owners acquiring their competitors, their vendors, their customers. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. But the result, I think what will happen is this consolidation in industries and demographically, you're right, Andy, it has to happen um, because there's less buyers in the marketplace than there are sellers right now if the baby boomers all come to the market at the same time. Um, but there's also for these strategics, there's more value, right? So you look at economies of scale, um, you look at how they can leverage their money. And if you already own a small business, your ROI on acquiring a business is much higher than somebody, a brand new buyer coming into the market. 
Yeah, and your ability to run a business remotely is going to be much easier. So you, for instance, uh, travel a lot. I travel a lot. And we wind up running our businesses from many different places. We are on Zoom right now. We get to look each other in the eye and we get to talk about business. Uh, and we are able to communicate very easily with our computers. We're both looking at the same screen sometimes, and we are able to share information. I think that will only help businesses be able to buy other businesses, even if they're not in the same area. Uh, and uh, I think it'll continue to go. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Which kind of dovetails into number seven, which uh, is number seven is solo entrepreneurs will be plentiful. And I think this is related to the gig economy that I think we've talked about on the show, but millennials have this desire to kind of be in control of their destiny. And also on the other side too, is you see a lot more business owners and, um, you know, high level executives wanting to hire specialists in different areas. So before, instead of just having like one marketing department or a marketing manager that would do everything in my business. Now I want a specialist for social media and email marketing. And what it's done is created all these avenues for solopreneurs or solo entrepreneurs and freelancers to have their own thriving mini business. Yeah, I, I agree completely that the technology today, web, uh, you know, the web-based apps uh, are, is going to make the gig economy very popular and it's going to make uh, specialization very popular where people can have specialties. You could find the foremost expert in anything these days via the internet. And people will be able to market themselves. Uh, there's already things uh, you see in the artist community and the music community, uh, things like SoundCloud and DeviantArt and all these other places where you, uh, Fiverr, where you can basically start your own business. And I truly believe that people are going to start selling those things that I I'm waiting for the first uh, Instagram influencer to sell their business of being an influencer to someone. Certainly we see people passing it on, right? Yep. And I think you actually, they are happening already. Like I've heard some people buying Facebook groups and Facebook pages and it's not happening through a business sale marketplace yet or a business broker, but it's definitely happening. So there will be, it'll be interesting for us because how do you value an Instagram following or the next social media platform following? Who knows, right? Um, it's always going to come down to earnings, but like there could be some new valuation method that we could use. But solopreneurs, I think will be plentiful. Um, there's a lot of opportunity here. It also goes back to that flexibility in lifestyle. And, you know, as a solopreneur, you have the technology in place. You can move city to city. You can work across borders and do um, a lot of different things and have a different lifestyle. Yep. And it, they'll grow into bigger businesses too and sell them. So it's all good. So number eight, uh, number eight is a bold prediction, but I think this is going to be true. Retail will not be dead. And I, I, I think that's just because, you know, what's old is new, what's new is old. And I was just watching uh, Sunday Morning, which is one of my favorite magazine shows on CBS. Uh, and they just did a big uh, story on Nordstrom's. Uh, and how that family has grown through multi-generational and made it experience the shop. Uh, I just went and did some shopping for uh, the holidays and I looked online at uh, uh, several things for my wife and I wound up going to the store and buying it because I just wanted that place to be able to go back to. And I think there are some things that are just gonna, you know, be experiential. 
and I think they'll get more uh, experiential. And I think I, one of my points in this, uh, and I'll turn it over to you, is that the reason we do that, is, the reason we order things from home, because it's much easier, right? It's much easier than going to the store and fighting the crowds. And I think that that's going to end. I, you saw the Amazon store in New York City where you could walk in, grab something, walk out, and it charges you. And I think that's the future. Yeah. I was actually going to use that as my examples. If you look at Amazon, who's changed retail drastically over the last decade, their new growth strategy is stores, right? So I think it's always ironic. I walk through Denver and there used to be this Borders bookstore and, you know, like literally catty corner to the old space is the new Amazon bookstore. Um, but you see a lot of these online retailers going back to traditional retail. So you see Amazon doing it. Um, you see um, Peloton has a spot now, Casper, the mattress maker. I mean, um, Tesla even has retail locations and malls. And I think it's still, when it comes to things like, Yes, when I have to order toilet paper and paper towels and things like that, that's a convenience thing. I will order that to my doorstep all day long. But when you're going to make some type of purchase that you want to experience the product or you need help with, I mean, Nordstrom's is famous for having its tailors on site too, right? So even if you order jeans to your house from Nordstrom's, you still have to find a tailor to go tailor them for. So I think things like that will continue to thrive. I think the retail environment will change a little bit. Like Andy, like you said, I think it's going to be more woven into technology. Um, it, you know, you can see things already where you're not just limited to the inventory that's in stores anymore. You can have something, try something on in store and have it delivered to your house. Um, so I think that'll, uh, that'll happen. I've been in a couple of those stores in Europe where you walk out and it automatically checks you out already. And it's pretty crazy and also awesome. Um, so you'll see that, but I agree. I think retail will change. It will evolve, um, but it definitely will not die. I agree. So number nine, face-to-face -face meetings will be virtual. Um, this is probably my favorite prediction that you have, Andy. I love Zoom and I love these virtual meetings. Um, and I actually have even started to use it locally. Yeah, I travel a lot and use Zoom um, to connect with people when I'm out of town. But even with the traffic today, and this could be a big, who knows, maybe this is the way to solve traffic. But driving for a, a coffee meeting could take you an hour to get there, have the coffee meeting, an hour to get back to your office. It's a three-hour you know, not waste of time, but it's a three hour block that you don't get back. Whereas you can have virtual coffee meetings, connect face to face. The technology is much better now. Um, and it saves everybody time, efficiency, gas, traffic, who knows, but you can get so much done in virtual meetings now. Yeah, I agree. And what do they say about body language? 53% of the communication is nonverbal. Uh, and it, which is facial recognition. And I forget what the other one is, uh, but it, it, most of communication, I really believe in face-to-face -face meetings. We talk about it all the time, but I think with technology and you're, you know, we'll have wallpaper that's basically a screen and you will walk into the room and you will be in the room with someone or we'll have holograms. I mean, there's a hologram uh, tour going on with, with uh, Roy Orbison and I think Johnny Cash. I mean, incredible that you could go see these performers play uh, and it really looks real. And I've seen some of the holograms in, uh, in concerts uh, as well. Uh, Nat, uh, Natalie Cole singing with her dad, Nat King Cole. I mean, just crazy kind of stuff. And I think that's going to be more and more and more. And I think it's, I, I think it's a great thing. And uh, I think we'll see... Uh, the ability to do face-to-face -face meetings. In fact, you just gave me an idea. 
I, 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 I've been struggling to meet with a couple of people. I'm going to call for a virtual coffee meeting. Yeah. I mean, it saves so much, so much time. And I think this is one of these predictions It's going to evolve over the decade. Yeah. Maybe by the end of the decade, we might be meeting, you know, holographically in the same room together, but this is, this is one of those ones that's already happening. And I think like everything in business, the last couple of years, the technology has been available, but it's, it's, been a little slow to catch on. And more and more over the last year, I've seen a lot of people push meetings to virtual. And I think you're going to see a lot of that happening in 2020 and 2021, where a lot of your face-to-face meetings go through a Zoom or a Google Hangouts or whatever the next new app is. All right. We're at number 10. We're halfway there. Um, And I really believe this is going to happen. And I am such a fan for this to happen. I hate to drive. And I think By the end of the decade, by 2030, driving will be a hobby. It will be a hobby. I mean, there's going to be driving enthusiasts. People go to the track. There's going to be roads where you could drive by yourself. But just think of the technology and the ability to save lives and the lessening of of accidents, uh, injuries to people. Driving will be a hobby. I really believe that. Yeah. I I would love to believe this one. And I think um, what I see too is it differs between marketplaces, right? Um, so I live out in Colorado and there's just certain places you cannot get to in the Rocky Mountains without driving, right? So yeah, so there's still going to be some driving um, in relation to that. I really would love to see our country invest in more of an infrastructure in trains and some of the stuff, the railways that you see in Europe. But I think with things like Uber and the self-driving technology that Tesla's spearheading, you're going to see less and less people wanting to drive. Actually, a few of my friends that have younger kids that are starting to get their licenses, they actually don't want their licenses. They don't want to drive. Their, their response is, why would I drive when I can just get an Uber? Um, it's also going to reduce the cost of living. You know, if, if you don't have to own a car, if you can use some of the rideshare services, or if, you know, I know you guys have the new rail system in South Florida, you can use some of that. I mean, not having to maintain a vehicle really reduces your cost of living too. Yeah. Front page news today, they're talking about the rail system going through, uh, already building, they're building Orlando, which should be open by 2022. And now they're already doing plans for Orlando to Tampa with a stop at Disney World. I mean, you know, and this is a nice rail. I take it every single week. It is so nice to not be on the road and drive. But, you know, just again, um, you know, I saw a report again on uh, one of the news stations. They already have robots running around Berkeley, California, delivering food. Uh, and so uh, they they have a lot of things about... Uh, drones delivering things. Uh, so I, I, I really do believe there'll be less and less emphasis on driving uh, as a practice. And like you said, rideshare, all, all kinds of things. So um, I think we've tackled 10 out of 20 and uh, we're going to take a break till next time, right? Yeah, we've got another 10 Uh, predictions for the 20s coming up for our next episode. So make sure you tune in next week to catch numbers 11 through 20, maybe a bonus 21 in there too. But we hope you enjoyed this intro into the new decade and join us next time on the deal board. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board 
or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And it is deal of the week. And we are going overseas right now to talk about uh, the deal of the week. And we have Eric Seeker of Trans World Business Advisors of Peterborough. And Eric, welcome. Thanks, Annie. Great to be on the show. So you, ha- you had a nice deal. Uh, it was in the side business. Why don't you give us a little bit of background? Yeah, we had a great deal, actually. Um, the uh, the sellers uh, came to us actually via uh, um, our, our sister company, Sinorama, because they're look- they were looking to buy a Sinorama in Australia. Um, the Sinorama colleagues referred them to us here in the UK to help the sellers uh, move on their uh, business here in the UK. It's um, it's a signage business, so they they do signs, you know, the, the usual vinyl signs, wall murals, sort of sign posting. Um, they do vehicle wrapping. Um, but what was what's really interesting about the business? They're also um, specialists in architectural film, hmm. which is a a growing business where you you know you can change the nature of certain. Elements of buildings. So you can change, for example, the appearance of a concrete post into a tree or refresh uh, tired shop furniture. So they, they got some uh, large shops and department stores where they're wrapping existing display cabinets and uh, you know benches and other furniture to refresh the furniture uh, or to just change its appearance altogether. Yeah, go ahead. It was a successful Sorry, business. Yeah, and especially the architectural film. Business, uh, the site is it was growing uh, quite rapidly, and that's what sparked the interest of uh, the buyer. They had some some re- good recurring revenue with, with some, you know, in the case, some household clients like the uh, the NHS, the National Health Service, and some large department stores. So you know the recurring revenue, of course, very attractive, and just general general growth in the business. And you know this was sort of a textbook good deal with regards to the, the, the sellers were uh, really good to work with. They had good books and good records. There were no hidden skeletons. Of course, there were there's always snags and some, some problems you need to overcome. But between the seller and the buyer, we had great discussions. We managed to overcome all of these, uh, all of these issues. And again, the buyer was a professional buyer. Um, or he had existing businesses. Was uh, was was a tough buyer and very sharp. Knew what he was doing, asking all the right questions. But he was very fair and he was willing to do a deal. So those are textbook, you know, good deals for good people. Great, well, we love those, obviously. And so, tell us how much it sold for and uh, what the multiple was. Yeah, so so the the, the revenue was around five hundred eighty thousand, um, with an SDE of about uh, one thirty. It sold for. Um, 300, uh, round number. So that gave us a multiple of 2.3, which I think was uh, largely driven by this, this growing architectural film business that we managed to get a, a good good multiple. Great. So when we, uh, we agreed that we would do half down and half deferred over uh, 30 months. Um, you know, the, we had to 
look at this deal closely because the owners may be moving to Australia. Well, the wheels moved to Australia, so we have to deal with uh, tax issues and looking how we could um, you know, get money from the UK to Australia over a period of time to so they could comply with the visa regulations. So it was uh, was interesting, to, you know, to, to look at the international angle, and uh, I think we've solved all the all the issues. Wow, that sounds like a great deal for a good deal for good people, as we say. So uh, great job, Eric, getting that closed. Eric, what's the best way to get in touch with you if somebody else in the UK wants to sell a business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they can email me on e-s-i-e-c-k-e-r, e-seeker, at tworlduk.com, or they can reach me by mobile, uh, country code 47464. Zero nine two two seven three. All right. Great job. Thanks again, Eric. Thanks for coming on to show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Welcome back, everybody. And for our listing of the week this week, I have Mike Hall, broker and advisor, joining us from Transworld Business Advisors of Raleigh. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Jessica. It's great to be with you today. So, Mike, you have an interesting listing for us this week. Tell us a little bit about the business. Right. So, this is a school transportation company in Wake County, North Carolina. Wake County is one of the largest uh, counties and uh, just growing by leaps and bounds. And so, there's a great need for school transportation that can't be provided through county means. So, uh, this is a private school transportation company. And um, they have just really established themselves as a major player here. Um, They have a sterling reputation in the community and become well-connected with local government agencies and institutions, which has allowed them to establish some fairly lucrative uh, transportation contracts. And so um, they also have a practically brand new fleet that they've got out on the road. So they just got They've got their act together, and they're really coming on strong here in Wake County. Wow. Wow. Sounds like a great business. Um, You know, I know that industry is growing and lots of growth opportunity. What is the business listed for, and what is the SDE? So the business is listed for $6 million, and the SDE, which is um, based on a 2019 pro forma since we're so late in the year, is uh, right at $2.8 million. Great. Well, sounds like it's making a good amount of cash flow. Listed at a good multiple. Mike, if someone wants to learn more about this business or get in touch with you about other businesses in the Raleigh area, how can they reach you? So just one of two ways. They can email me at mhall, H-A-L-L, at tworld.com, or they can just give me a call at 919-424-1927. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, Mike, and sharing this listing with us. We'll drop his contact information into the show notes for the listeners and have a great day. Thanks, Jessica. Take care. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. You might not realize it, but life has a soundtrack. For most of us, it sounds a bit like... But you can always change the station. 
In hundreds of Delta Airlines destinations, you can turn your soundtrack into a global chorus. Delta. Keep climbing 